Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Father, thank you, Father, for your word. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 2, starting at verse 1 through 2. I'm going to jump down to verse 9 through 14. I know this is a lot. Then I'm going to jump into Luke really quick. And after I conclude the reading of God's word, I'll ask you to have your seats and then we're going to have some fun. Amen? Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. This is the story, just to kind of give you a background. There is there are two different, it's the same story, but you have two different backdrops and you have two different scenes taking place. Uh, one is uh, recorded by Matthew, which is one of Jesus' disciples. And this other scene that I'm going to read is uh, recorded from Luke. And Luke was a doctor who became also a, a, a disciple for Jesus and an apostle ultimately. Two different perspectives. This surrounds the birth of Christ and what was happening. In Matthew chapter 2, it, verse 1, it says this. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king Behold, wise men. Some uh, scholars also believe that these wise men, they were not kings. They were not kings. Say they were not kings. We see that in that little nativity story, but these are actually wise men. They're also, that's also interpreted astrologers. They were guys who read the stars, but they did understand the scriptures. They were not kings. They were astrologers. They were wise men. They came from the east, uh, from a pagan region uh, outside of uh, Israel saying, where is the man or where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star. Everybody say star. This is important. The star is very important. We have seen his star in the east and we have come to worship him. If we fast forward a little bit and we start at verse 9 through 14, it says this. When the king, when King Herod heard this, uh, or sorry, when they heard the king, they departed and behold, a star which they had seen in the east, it went before them. It moved before them till it came and stood. Everybody say the star. It stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and they worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, three different gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod the king, they departed for their own country another way. And now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, arise and take the young child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Notice the difficulties that are happening in the midst of miracles right now. Take the young lad and flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring word to you for Herod will see, seek to destroy the young child's life. And when they arose, they took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. Now we're going to, if you're reading your hard copy Bible, I want you to flip over uh, to Luke's gospel, Luke chapter two, verses one through 16, and then we will conclude. And it says, starting at verse one, now it came to pass in that day that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the world should be registered. This census first took place while Cornelius uh, was governing Syria. And so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem or house of bread, because he was of the house and lineage of King David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife. That means they were simply engaged, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And now there were in the same country shepherds, different scene, not kings this time, or uh, excuse me, astrologers or wise men. Now we arrived to these shepherds. They were living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood over them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were greatly afraid. 
Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which is to all people. For there is to you this day, born in the city of David, a Savior, who is Jesus Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly angels or hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing. It's interesting they use that word. And let us go see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with great haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. You may have your seats. I felt a little bit like Charlie Brown when I was reading that story. Many of you are laughing like you know what I'm talking about. And that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Ever heard that? I love this story. I first and foremost want to take a minute to highlight, just highlight a few star-striking Moments. Everybody say, everybody say star. Some star striking moments in this particular story. Uh, first of all, one of the miracles is the fact that there was a star that showed up in the first place. I mean, this star shows up for these quote unquote wise men or astrologers in the Bible. And I quote, it says it went before them and then stood over where the young child was. I don't mean this to be funny. It is, a, it is funny. My mother will not like the fact that I said this, but my father was not there when I was born. And so, I mean, this is pretty awesome how a star shows up for some wise men and stood over a place where a child is about to be born. You know, my dad didn't show up to my, to my birth, much less a star. So I think that is a pretty incredible Miracle that happened. I mean, do you know anybody in your family where a star kind of came over and stood where they were when they were when they were born? Some of you are laughing, and they were like, "Oh, there were horns on over my child when he was born." Yeah, I'm kidding. We'll work on that. Just keep coming to church. We'll 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 get a halo over their head pretty soon. Keep preaching the word and praying for them. So that's number one. And number number two, the fact that it it went over the stable and stood where. Jesus was, it's almost like the star grabbed them by the hand and led these wise men exactly, precisely where Jesus was. Can you imagine traveling? I believe it was between nine and 11 days that they traveled. I mean, I, I, do, I do estimates for a living. I mean, I drive about six hours a day. I don't know how we started off with maps. Me and my brother started with maps. This was 20 years ago. There was no GPS. I know that's a shock to some of you millennials. We didn't have GPS back in the day. Literally, if you wanted to go to somebody's house and you'd never been there before, you pulled out the map from behind your seat. Who remembers that? If, if you're kind of over 30, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. So this is a miracle. So no GPS system. We're talking about a star goes before them and stands over this stable in Bethlehem where Jesus was born. It basically led them by the hand, led them to where Jesus was. Number, number, number three, the fact that Jesus Christ, the son is born. Okay. Many of you have read the story so many times that you almost become desensitized to the miracle. I mean, if my wife came home to me and let, let's say we were engaged, you know, uh, not to knock anybody, but me and my wife did not come together. There's children in a room. We did not physically come together before we got married. That was a miracle in itself. It was, that was very, that was not easy. That was a miracle of God. We did not physically come. Y'all, some of y'all should shout and say amen. There's still people out there that want to do right. We didn't physically come together before marriage. You, you, know, I, you know, I'd go home, you know, just like, you know, Lord, when are we going to get married and all of those things. So that was, that was, that was a miracle. God kept us. He kept us until we were married. But if she would have come to me while pregnant, I mean, excuse me, while we were engaged and not married and said, honey, I have something to tell you. I'm pregnant. I mean, you got to understand, and there was not many miracles 
in, in Jesus, before Jesus Christ was born. There were a few prophets that would give prophetic words, but never was it ever heard of that somebody would be impregnated by something called the Holy Spirit. And then if my wife were to go on and say she had a vision of an angel and the Holy Spirit came upon her and she got impregnated, I'm a man of faith. But that would be very hard for me to believe. This was a miracle, the fact that this woman was pregnant by God. The Bible says it was a holy seed that went on the inside of her. This is, this is some amazing stuff. This is a, an amazing miracle. Number four, there's angels that appear to some shepherds. Why in the world are they not appearing before some kings or people of notoriety? You're showing up to some shepherds. Shepherds were not greatly known. I mean, they were just on the backside of the, the hills and taking care of their sheep and minding their own business. Not only do they show up while they're minding their own business, but they're being told about the birth of the Messiah who's going to be the deliverer of sin for all of humanity. A lot of miracles going on. But simultaneously, intermingled in this amazing story with Mary getting pregnant by the Holy Spirit, with a star showing up and grabbing these wise men, these astrologers by the hand, leading them to Jesus, intermingled with all of that, there are some things that are intermingled in this story that are not miracles. They are actually great difficulties. Can I just read a few of them? And I didn't read them actually in the story, but if you, if you, there's little hints in the story. But first of all, Mary and Joseph get woken up in a dream. Do you remember how when the angel of the Lord came to Mary and said, blessed and highly favored are you? Do you remember that? Almost just a few verses later, another angel of the Lord is waking them up in the middle of the night and saying, hey, pack your stuff. You got to go. Flee to Egypt. I just read it to you. I need you to flee to Egypt and go to Bethlehem. And by the way, in a car ride, they didn't, they didn't make Bentleys yet back then. In a car ride, I Googled it because my friends live there. I wanted to see how far Bethlehem was from Egypt. And it's a two and a half hour car ride. Two point, well, actually, it's 2.1 hours to be specific. In a car. In, everybody say in a car. That, that, mean, that means it's a nine-hour horseback or camel ride into Bethlehem. My wife was so mad at me yesterday when I took her out on the lake and got us stuck in the middle of the lake. And that was only one hour, and she wasn't pregnant. Can you imagine how frustrated Mary would have been? You know how, what's so staggering to me is the angel says, blessed and highly favored are you. And almost in the same verses, she's having to flee for her son's life because an angel just told her, Herod is going to kill your baby. Have you ever been, if I could just park right there just for a moment, has God ever given you a word and saying, you're about to enter into this amazing season. God is about to touch you. I'm about to move on your behalf. I'm about to open up the windows of heaven. And then all of a sudden, all these difficulties start popping up. Well, this is intermingled in this story that has both difficulties and miracles all at the same time. And you know what I started finding out about God as I've evaluated my life and as I've counseled some of you and as I've talked to many people as a minister, there's very rarely a time when you're experiencing both miracles without opposition simultaneously intermingled into your situation. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You start praying about your finances and God finally comes through, but then something else ultimately pops up. Your husband starts acting up or a wife starts acting up or your kid's grades are beginning to fail and you're getting calls three times a month from their teachers. Come on, I'm just trying to make it practical. That, that there, it's very rare for God to be moving in one area of your life and the enemy not move, moving in another. I know there's only two of you that are going through some. I'm the only one in the room. But this, 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 I believe that this is God's strategic plan, though. I believe that he allows both great things and things that aren't so great simultaneously to happen for one particular reason, to bring glory to himself. And you might say, Pastor, why, why, why would you say that? Why Miracles would actually draw me to him. Actually, sometimes too many miracles will actually blind us from God. As a matter of fact, you begin to become dependent upon miracles versus dependent upon the person who gave you the miracles. God's ultimate desire for people is to draw them to himself. Sometimes even his blessings draw you away from him. You used to come to church until you started making $50,000 a year. But before that, you were on your knees 
You showed up to church because you were dependent upon him. Come on. Until you're, you, you, every, you, you, were, you, were, you were seeking the Lord until your household started straightening up. Come on. Until things start ironing out. It's amazing what madness will do in the midst of miracles. I believe he does it to keep us sound and keep us at his feet. Number two, Herod inquires about Jesus because he simply wants to kill him. Remember when it says the, the, the Magi, they were, they were warned by an angel in the dream that Herod was going to kill the young, the young lad, the young baby? So that's, that's a, lot of, a lot of madness in the midst of these miracles. The, the wise men threaten, uh, uh, their lives are threatened by Herod. Do you know why they went home another way? Did you catch that when I was reading the scripture? After they got warned in the dream, the Bible says they, they went another way home. Do you know why they went another way? Because there would have been horse chariots after them because they didn't show back up to, to give the information that he was looking for. So they went home another way to save their own lives. All of this stuff happening simultaneously with miracles, with, with stars showing up, with Jesus Christ being born. Number, number, number four, look, look, they have nowhere to stay. Jesus goes into Jerusalem. You would think being in the Messiah, the red carpet would be laid out. They would have a nice, you know, Hilton Grand vacation area for them to kind of park in. Or one of, the, one of those other ones, the Renaissance. Is the Renaissance any good? I don't know. I don't go to hotels. One of those nicer ones. The W in New York. But no, Jesus has to go in, in, in a manger, which is where horses and camels and lambs would stay. Jesus is born, and they have to immediately flee to Egypt. Herod figures out that, they've, that the, the wise men deceived him, and so he sends Roman soldiers to kill them. I just had mentioned that. And so simultaneously, you've got great miracles, yet you've got difficulties that eclipse what's happening in this story, miracles and madness. It's a mark in history and a mark on every mother's heart whose son was killed because shortly after the Magi left, the Roman soldiers stormed the city and every son under two years old was murdered and blood was shed. Here, humanity was about to be saved, but not before this innocent blood was shed. Here, the story of both triumph and tragedy. Here is both a dream and a nightmare all simultaneously happening, all at the same time. Everybody say all at the same time. So today, just for the next few moments, I won't be long this morning. I want to preach this message entitled, and I believe it's prophetic for where we're at. I have ministered this before, but I believe it's, it's where we are at as a church. I believe it's where we are at in the body of Christ. I believe it's where we're at in the nation as it relates to COVID and everything that's going on simultaneously. And I want to minister this message entitled, The Star and the Stench. Everybody say, The Star, the star. and the Stench. Have you ever been inside a stable before? I work in an, in an industry, uh, it's a, the painting industry, and I went to go do an estimate for uh, this individual. Very, very nice home. It's on a lot of acreages, and they, uh, they have a very nice home, but they also have lots of horse stables. I think there was maybe 10 stables, like you would see on TV. And I went in this stable, and I mean the stench that was in the stables. This is why I entitled this The Star and the Stench, because I have a feeling I have a feeling there are things that you can identify with this morning that are both good and bad things going on simultaneously. You, you see where God's hand is, and you can see without anybody pointing to it where God is seemingly not. But can I tell you that God is in every area of our lives. God, God knows no boundaries. God doesn't keep boundaries Thank you, Holy Spirit, for just sharing that with me. He doesn't share boundaries. If he shared boundaries, he would have stayed in heaven. Excuse me, if he would have honored boundaries. He didn't, he didn't honor, he's very honoring, but he didn't honor boundaries. He said, my children are far from me. I want to rescue them. I'm going to step out of my comforts. I'm going to step over the boundary line of eternity and step into time because I want to rescue my people. So God will not respect your boundaries as it relates to having difficulty in one situation of your life and having miracles in the other. I, I, I want to challenge you. I want to kind of rehone your focus in this morning and remind you that God is in every single area of your life, even when you can't see him moving, even though you may not be able to sense his presence. I'm telling you, if the star is present, 
And there is a stench also present. God is in the middle of all of that stuff. What am I trying to say? He's in the middle of your stable. Whatever it is that you're facing this morning, no matter what difficulty it is, it could be finances, it could be marriage, it could be some health issues, it could be some trouble at school that you're having. It could be, you could be a single father in this room. You could be on the brink of a divorce. You could be a person who's depressed and you're dealing with oppression. I am just telling you that there is both a star and a stench that is intermingled and God is about to work that thing out for your good and his glory. Amen? Now, here's how you survive when you're experiencing both a star and a stench. Are you ready for this? Focus on the star. Focus on the star. You're like, preacher, where is that in the Bible? Nowhere in the Bible have I seen Jesus is the star. Oh, I I just found it. It's in Revelation chapter 22. It's found in verse 16, and it might be up on the screen for your reading. It says this. I who? I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. All I'm saying is in the middle of this thing that you're going through right now, in the middle of this stable that you're in, as smelly as, as it is, the, with the floors not being nice, you know, tongue and groove wood flooring, but you've got hay down there and you may have manure, you may have a stench, you can, you can smell, a, you can have the aroma of the, of the cinder, whatever it is that's surrounding you and that is affecting your environment. All I'm telling you is the bride and morning star is hovering over that thing and it's just a matter of time before God invades that area of your life as well. He's the bright and morning star. You have to keep your eyes on the star when you're in the midst of your manger experience. And the only time you begin to be more aware of your environment, meaning in the natural, in the natural, I'm gonna go a little deeper. The only time that you become more aware of what's happening in the natural is when you take your eye off of the star. There's nobody in Christendom Christianity. There's no believer that I know, and, and, I, and I know a lot of ministers. There is no minister that I know, not on planet earth, not any that I've met in the past, none that I've met in the present, that do not have something in their life. Something. Do not get it twisted behind. Under every single blazer is an S. Right? Don't, don't, don't get it twisted. But there's also a stench. There's also a difficulty. I didn't say sin. I said difficulty. It wasn't a sin where Jesus was, but it was something that he could not help. Why couldn't he help it? Because when he got there, there was no room for him in the end. There was nowhere else he could go. And sometimes God will allow you to be in situations that you can't help being in. That's not a sin. But what is a sin is if you allow your eyes to be taken off of the star because of your stench. And we have to stay focused on him and what he's up to into our lives. Otherwise, we fall into discouragement and depression. How you know, when you start fearing, when you start stressing, it's not a sign that God doesn't love you. It's a sign that you're no longer looking at the bright and morning star. Because God never leaves us nor forsakes us. Not in a divorce, he'll never leave you or forsake you. In a sickness, he'll never leave you or forsake you. In the midst of your fears and your anxieties and your double-mindedness and your waywardness, in the midst of your sin or your sexual addictions, he never leaves you, ever. He never leaves you, say never. Never leaves us nor forsakes us. But the key to surviving stench, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Times of stinchiness. I told you it was going to be fun, is you keep your eyes on the star. When you're hurting financially and you say, God, I don't even know how to provide for my family. Don't look at your wife. I mean, I like looking at my wife. Don't get me wrong. You're cute today, by the way. But I don't look to human help. I look to the star. The bright and morning star, the root of David. Do you know what I love about this? Is not one time, not one time, recorded in scripture, did Mary and Joseph 
talk about the stench in the room. Not one time. They just said there's no room in the inn. They left it up to us theologians to dig what was an inn. Because when I hear inn, I hear like Hilton Inn. <laughs> Not Motel 6. I hear, ho- I hear a hotel, luxury. I like, you know, I like luxury. Don't get mad at me. I slept on the floor for, you know, 20 years. This is the truth. This is the truth. In all seriousness, my wife will tell you, I slept on a floor for so many years. We just grew up that way. So I grew up with the word pallet. Does anybody know? Maybe it's a Southern word. I grew up sleeping on pallets. You don't? Yeah. A pallet is where you take a cover and you lay it on the floor. And then you fold it and fold it again if you need to. And again, so it gets softer. When I first got married and I bought a nice bed that you almost had to take a mortgage out on. Don't get mad at me. I slept on the floor for 20 years. I wanted to, you know, live in a, you know, I had the money. I built a business. I wanted a nice bed to be able to sleep at night. My problem was, is I wasn't used to that. So in the middle of the night or the next morning, my wife would catch me on the floor. It's funny. Now it's funny. But when I look back and I think about it, is I was so used to, to the manger. My body, my physical body would hurt by, by sleeping on a pillow top because my body was so used to a floor for many, many, many years sleeping on the floor. No money to be able to purchase. A floor. I'm talking about as an adult. And, 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 so, and so how I survived that season, see, it didn't bother me when I was sleeping on the floor. I went to go try to do it the other day. It bothers me now. I'm like, I don't know how I did that for so many years. I am not laying on that floor. But you know how I truly and truly survived it? I loved Jesus through those, and I kept looking at the star. I kept keeping my gaze on him. And so that's where you, see, when you can do that, you see how they didn't, they didn't mention the smell of manure. They didn't mention all the hay. They didn't mention, I mean, you ever sat on hay barrels? I had a hay, I had a, um, during a, a fall festival, I, I took my truck on that land over there and I gave kids rides on the um, haystacks, you know, on a trailer. And it was, a, it was just a fall festival and we'd give candy to the kids and all of that. When you sit on those haystacks, they poke you, you know, very uncomfortable. But there was a place you can get to in God where environments will not affect you because you are so filled with him. You are so enveloped. You are so engrossed in his presence and who he is. I think that's where we all want to be. I think it's where we all long to be. That's why there's these hour-long worship times to, to, because if you don't want it, you know what I prayed one time? I said, Lord, give me the want to. You, can, you, know, you know you can't love him on your own, don't you? I pray you, you really get that revelation because you cannot love him on your own. You cannot serve him on your own. You will disappoint you. It takes the, in, the power of the Holy Spirit in and through you to love. It takes the God kind of love to love God. It takes God in you to help you love him. Love is God, right? God is love. So it takes God in you to love God who's outside of you and if that makes sense. It takes the Holy Spirit. Say it takes the Holy Spirit. Do you know this is where Peter, Peter failed in this area? And we see it. We see him keeping his eyes on the star, the bright and morning star. We, we see him in the scriptures. We see him walking on water. Do you remember that? We see him walking on water. We see his eyes on Jesus. But as soon as the waves and the winds, he begins to see them. He does what? He takes his eyes off of Jesus and puts it on the storm, and only then does he begin to sink. If you're sinking this morning into depression, if your peace is being stolen, if it's being disrupted, if there is disunity in your life, if there is discord, if there's lots of fretting, it's just a sign. Not that God is not with you. He's with you. He doesn't leave. Everybody say he doesn't leave. It's a sign. When you start experiencing more of the storm, okay, let me get back to my story. If you're experiencing more of the manger than the star, it's just a sign that you've taken your eyes off of the star. 
And you can have two different people in the same environment having two different experiences. This is what the Bible talks about walking in the spirit. Oh, I'm about to preach real good right now because you, me and Matt, me and Matthew can be in the same exact room and one guy being like, well, the Lord's not here. They're just singing. And the other guy on the row behind you be experiencing Jesus, experiencing deliverance, experiencing a touch from God, experience the presence of God, not because they're in two different places. They're both in the same place, but they're having two different experiences because one's eyes on the star and one's on the stench. One's on, I've got laundry at home. I've got kids at home screaming. I've got bills that are waiting on me. And the other one's like, I don't care what I have waiting at home. Jesus is in the room. And I don't know about you, but I want to be able to have a perspective in every environment that I walk in, Jesus is in the room. Listen, when I go into dysfunctional environments, I don't look for problems. I come to solve the problems, but I don't do it in my own strength. I come and I ask God, solve this problem, solve this dysfunction in and through me. Lord, let your presence so engulf my life so that you come out of me. Did you know that Jesus wants to take that kind of residence in you? I think we've prayed the wrong way for far too long. God, fix this problem. God, do this. Do this thing on my behalf. But did you know, mom, you can live such a consecrated life that God becomes the manifestation in and through you? Wherever there's a lack of peace, very rarely do I go, do I go Lord, just bring the peace to the situation. But I do pray, Lord, give me the peace and let your presence so envelop me that that peace, because we're conduits. Did you know that? Let, let, let me just show you. Can I teach you something really quick? This is a preach-teach moment. Remember when Peter, when Peter, he comes to Jesus and says, you are the son of God. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? He says, you are the son of God. And he goes and he says this, Jesus says this, blessed are you, Peter Barjona, for flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. Who remembers that? Who doesn't remember that? Do you know what Peter means? It, does, it means rock, but it means a fragment of rock, a piece, just a piece. Everybody say a piece, a piece of rock. What is Jesus? No, he's the corner. What's a piece of cornerstone? A rock, a piece of a rock. This is why, this is why God says to his church, this is why the church has been powerless over demons it's been powerless in their own financial situations. It's been powerless in so many, in overcoming certain obstacles because we haven't got this revelation. It's not that we believe we're God. We are not God. Oh, there's only one God and it's not us. But what I am saying, the Bible talks about the church being the body of Christ. Worshippers. Administrative prophetic. All these little rocks, when they come together, form the body of Christ, forming the chief cornerstone. Oh no, you still, you still didn't get it. None of us are all of him. None of us are all of him. Look at, look at somebody and say, you're not all of him, but all of us are some of him. None of us are all of him, but all of us are some of him. This is why when we're talking about God is so done with one man shows. He's so done with that. If you haven't caught that revelation that churches are dying because it's a one man show, I'm telling you the last move of God is going to be moving upon people, not a person. It's going to be the person of Christ in individuals, but it's, he's moving upon people now. He's moving on people who are gifted uh, singers and musicians. He's moving on the arts, people who can rap. and He's moving upon people who are administrative and who love to feed the homeless. He's moving on people who can preach and communicate God's word. All together collectively, little bitty stones coming together to form the chief cornerstone so that he can set up his kingdom here on earth as it is in, as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So you know what the, what the enemy will do to get you caught up so you don't see God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven? To get you to focus on your stench instead of the kingdom. Look at somebody say, focus on the kingdom. Am I going too long or is everybody okay? 
I feel grace on this. Number two, cherish the moment. I was telling um, our good friend Yasmin, she's getting ready to have a baby. I love that family. And she's, she's only got, you know, if it, I hope that's okay if I share. Where is she? She's only got about 10 weeks left. There she is. Um, she's got about 10 weeks left. She's in her third trimester. Uh, her husband is the one who had his birthday today, um, Christian. And, and I, I said to her, has anybody warned you about, you know, when you have a baby and the sleepless nights and all of those things? She's like, yes, I did. And I just automatically thought about her in that moment. Cherish the moment. And, and most, most people do not cherish the difficult times that they go through. That is human nature. A baby's nature is to want and to crave something, and th- their desire is comfort. That's all they know. They don't know that discomfort is a good thing. So at times, at times. If a baby's hungry, feed the baby. I'm not saying that. When the baby wants to be comforted and swaddled and embraced and cuddled, you, you do that. But you have to cherish sometimes. When you're going through difficult seasons of even the crying baby. I know when Stephanie and I look back and our little Zoe, she's only three years old. She's beautiful. She's talking like an adult. And like, I mean, she's just, oh, I could, the phrases that are coming out of her, like she doesn't miss anything. My son, he misses everything. I tell him to pick up his socks. He picks up one. And, you know, I tell him to, you know, just shut the water on. He'll brush his teeth, leave the water on. I mean, Zoe does everything. She'll, like, wipe up the little, you know, stuff from her toothpaste and shut the light off and lock the door, front door, set the alarm. I'm, you know, swiping on iPads, trying to call people in China. She's already speaking Chinese. No, she's not doing that yet, but she's, she's pretty advanced. And Stephanie and I, we were talking about how how we cherished that. I remember those sweet moments. It didn't feel sweet because I had to get up at 5 a.m. the next morning and when I'm up at 4 o'clock and she wakes me up and I could have had that extra hour, I wasn't that grateful. But even in difficult seasons, and listen, here's the thing. You do not grow in comfort. You don't grow in pleasure. You don't. You don't grow in pleasure. Spiritually. Any time that you're, and we need, we need vacations we need times of comfort to, to, gain, to have some kind of sanity and to refresh ourselves. But too much of that ruins you. All the parents of teenagers should say amen. If you don't have a teenager and one day you will have one, God willing, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. When you give them too much game time, too much liberty, too much freedom, too many new iPhones. Come on. Too many switches. Too many PlayStation. What do they have? PlayStation 4s now? I don't know. They have a 5 now. When you have too many, when you, too many pleasures, you miss sight and you lose sight of, of, just, of God. When, you, when there's too much of that, there's no dependency upon him. You don't grow. Somebody say, I want to grow. Somebody say, cherish the moment. Be careful that you do not get so engrossed in what the enemy is up to in your life because here's what it does. Two things. It keeps you from appreciating the current blessings he's given you right now. If they were more aware of the stench, Rick, they could not have, they would have not have seen the star. Don't allow what you're going through financially, mentally, Maritally, physically, whatever it is, it wears many stenches, bear many different faces. Do not allow that stench, that difficulty to rob you from seeing the star in this situation. If I talk to you for five minutes, if you really thought about it, and you know, you know what inspires God to give you more? Can I tell you one of his secrets? Can I give you one of his little secrets? He's... There are certain things that move him and certain things that do not. Complaining does not. I've tried. I mean, I complained. I thought, you know, if I complained enough, he'll finally hear me. And the Bible does say he will wipe away every tear from our eyes, but I don't want to wait to go to heaven before he wipes them. I have found out this is why worship is so important. 
This is why when you pray, my wife came up to me before service. She said, let's not go binding things and loose things when we open the service. Can we just love on Jesus for a moment? I said, good idea, honey. Because sometimes we get caught up in our needs, right? When we go to prayer, we say, Lord, can you bless, can you settle the children down? Can you, can you kill my boss? No, I hope you don't pray like that. I hope you don't pray like that. Never pray like that. That's some things not to pray. God, move my heart. Move the heart of my spouse. Lord, give me peace. And there's nothing wrong with those prayers. But I, I, I feel like in Christianity, we've made, we've, we've put prayer backwards. He loves this. Watch this. Come into his courts with thanksgiving and into his gates. You, you come in with thanks. Thanks for what you've given me. Thank I might not have the rent in full this month, Lord, but thank you that I have a roof over my head. Thank you, Lord, that you're a provider. I love you. I praise you. Look at all these wonderful things. I may not have all the best clothes, but I at least have five outfits. Come on. You start praising him, and here's what it does. When my children come up to me, Daddy, I want this. Daddy, I want that. The last thing I want to do, I want to tell them to go pick weeds. But when they start saying, oh, thank you, Daddy, for all this stuff you've given Mommy and I. You've, you've done this. You've done that. When they start talking like that, I want a little bit more of that. And so it makes me want to dig in my pockets a little bit more. God works this way. When you are thankful for what he's given you, he's like, that's somebody who I want to give into. That's somebody I want to honor. Yeah, yeah, when we bless him, when we honor him, it inspire, God gets inspired. Did you know that? You inspire him with thanksgiving. And you know what? He has more self-control than anybody that I know, but he can't help himself. The times that I've seen God move the most in services is times when we've given him the most thanksgiving. If, if you listen to the worship that's projected out of the walls of this church, we, I do like some bless me songs. I like, bless me, Lord, give me favor. I like jumping and shouting, and I can roll with the best of them. But we try to intentionally offer worship up to God that's Christ-centered and Christ-exalting only because we know when he comes, everything else comes along with it. Y'all didn't hear what I said. Seek first the, seek first the, and everything else will be, added as we seek him, as we exalt him. Amen. Lastly, and you can stand to your feet and I'm going to close. I know I went a little long. I'm not going to, but I could, I could preach on this for another, another hour, but we'll save it for another time. So I want to give you two quick exhortations. Number three, number three, accept the stench. Isn't that what we have to do sometimes, Rick? I'm not saying accept your difficult situation as if that's going to be your lot, but why, as you've prayed and it has not changed, maybe it's God's will for that to remain that way just for the duration of the season. Because he, he's much more interested in changing you than the situation. That doesn't get many shouts. I didn't figure. I hope you come back. I say that uh, jokingly, but, but I really and truly mean it. He's more interested in changing you than the situation. But here's the funny thing. Once he gets his will across to you and you accept the stench he'll change the situation once he changes you and you're ready for the change we oftentimes pray it away Lord take the stench away this situation stinks all the while he's saying embrace the star Keep your eyes on me. I'm the root of David, the bright and morning star. I think we'd all like to discard some stinky situations in our 
lives today. Can you think of a few? God works out all things together for our good and his glory. All things, everything. There's not one thing that I've ever gone through that that I cannot now that I have some kind of vantage point look at it and see God's hand and there are current situations that I'm battling with personally right now that I can look at and not see God's hands but I know from experience that when I get on the other side of this if I embrace the stench I know this too not only will it pass but this will serve your purpose in my life as well somebody say accept the stench I want to give you a scripture because I have to be scripturally sound when I preach something like this because this is very touchy theologically. And I thought about, I know it's a completely different story, but I think about the Apostle Paul and his thorn. He, the Bible records him as not being the greatest man under Jesus that, that lived, but, but he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, so he stands head and shoulders above most of us, myself. And, and here's what he said. He's pleading with God. He's saying, God, rid me of this situation. Now, the Bible, he, he was smart enough to share his uh, situation, his pain, but he didn't share his dirt. Because the Bible doesn't say exactly what it was. You have theologians that say he was struggling with this or that. It could have been physical. We don't know. There are some historians say that he was a short man, and so he could have, who knows if it was his height. I highly doubt it. But listen what he says. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Verse 7, he says, At least I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation. In other words, God spoke to him so much. He had such close relationship with God. God gives him a stench. He says, At least I should be exalted. In other words, so I don't get prideful. Let me make it plain. So I don't get prideful and get exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations. A thorn in the flesh has been given to me, a messenger, a messenger of Satan to beat me. Least I be, should be exalted above measure. Let me read the message version. It's so much more eloquent. He said, because of the extravagance of those revelations God has given me, and so I wouldn't get a big head, I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angel did his best to get me down, and what he did, in fact, was push me to my knees. No danger, then, of walking around high and mighty, at first, I didn't think of this as a, oh God. At first, I didn't think of this as a gift and I begged God to remove it. Three times I did that. And then he told me, Jesus told me, my grace is sufficient for you. And that's all you need. I quit focusing then on my handicap. And I began appreciating the, listen to this. It was a thorn in one verse. And in the next verse, he says, now I quit focusing on my handicap and began appreciating it as a gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving on my weakness. Now I take my limitations and strides. And with good cheer, these limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, oppositions, bad breaks, I just let Christ take over. So the weaker I get, the stronger I become. Yes, thank you, Lord. The stench is making you stronger. That difficulty is making you stronger. It's turning you into the warrior of Christ. Why? Look at the days we're living in. God cannot use wimps. He needs end time warriors who have some kind of a spiritual backbone that can handle sleeping on the floor. Oh God Almighty help me. That can handle opposition. That can handle difficulty that can handle the stench so that when you see the star high and lifted up, you don't just get mesmerized by his blessings. There's a sober balance of both the stench and the star, which brings me to the very last thing. See the beauty in both. And I close with this. 
See the beauty in both. I pray that this prophetically hits your heart like a freight train. See the beauty in both. One thing that stood out to me in this story as I close of Jesus being born in this manger is that the writer gives the location of Jesus' birth, but it gives no descriptions as to the sights and the smells, etc. I mean, everything else was descriptive that they gave about Herod, about how he wanted to do this and that, about the Magi and the, uh, you know, receiving a revelation of where the Christ child would be born. That's, that's pretty descriptive. And when the, when the, uh, the, the shepherds were approached by angels and angels were singing all these great things. And then the Magi bringing gold, frankincense, and myrrh, all these amazing descriptives, but they left out the dirty laundry most of the time, unless you read into the scripture. This tells me this, if we want blessing in our lives, it's foolish to think that means our lives will be problem free. There's beauty in both. There's beauty in both the star and the stench. When I visited that lady with this stable, I almost said manger. It was pretty much a manger. The kids are okay, don't worry. They're fine. When I visited this lady, she didn't even flinch at the stench. I didn't love her horses. That's why I focused on the stench. I don't, I like horses. This, this, this went to show me that when she decided to get a stable, she knew automatically it would come with a stench. If you want real blessing in your life, you're going to have to get the revelation that it simply means you're going to have to see the beauty in both. Marriage can be beautiful, but not, a, not all of it will be. School can be amazing getting your degree, but I guarantee you there will be stress. There will be times you want to quit. Marriage, is, excuse me, ministry is wonderful, wonderful, but there are times, I can tell you that right now, there are times that it's not so amazing. Promotions come with headaches. If you want a car, at some point it will break down. Every, every blessing that God gives comes with a stench. So my challenge this morning is see beauty in them both. And Father, that's my prayer this morning as I stretch my hands over these people. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.